We're here to share with you inspiring stories that bring to life all the little and big ways that people bring more love, joy, laughter, and humanness to everyday life. Our focus is to hunt for those little moments that refuel the human soul and reminds us what life is really all about. I invite you to sit back, enjoy the moments, enjoy the stories, the adventures, and the journeys. Welcome back to What the World Needs More Of. My name is Jerick Robbins. I'm your host, and I am here with a longtime friend, Jim McNaughton. Sir, thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure, Jerick. Good to be in contact with you again, brother. Now, we're going to start off with the question of the show. Gene, what do you feel the world needs more of? That's such a good question. And you know, based on some shifts I've had in my life, I would say better parenting, being mm. better moms and dads. I love that. I love that. Now, when you say better parenting, what does that mean to you? What brought you to this concept or this idea? Well, I, first, I, I'm really speaking for myself and so some epiphanies I've had. And, and Jerry, like we talked about last year, my father passed away at 91 years old. And mm. you know, I, up until you know, most recently, I my viewpoint of being successful had to do with things. You know, the I was always just like, okay, you're in a house now, we got to get a bigger house or a second one or better cars or more watches. And I felt like I was in this constant pursuit of more, 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 more. And the big breakthrough I had is, you know, as I watched my dad go through some of the health difficulties he had, which ultimately culminated him in passing away just about a year ago today, believe it or not, wow. was, you know, this guy was a laborer. He worked at the same organization, the Sioux City Stockyards for 52 years, had the same job, which he counted cattle and counted pigs. He worked in manure literally all day and never heard the guy complain once in his life. He was happy. He was surrounded by people he loved and he died a happy person. And the breakthrough I had was, you know, what what's really important in life? And as you know, being a speaker and and traveling all over the place, I you know, I realized that, you know, I, I'm I had been missing out on a lot of important things. Most notably, I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. And that meant things like coaching my kids, being at every game, making sure you're listening to them, understanding their goals and dreams. And while that was kind of important, it took second fiddle to building the business. Mm -hmm. And the last 12 months have been a tremendous, let's call it transgression for me, where it's like, you know what, all this stuff doesn't matter that much. You know, so I've skinnied things down and not, you know, I still live a fine life, but the, the desire for more, more, more is not about material things. It's about time, time, time and quality time at that with my little ones. And making sure I'm that dad that is there for them, that they remember. I don't remember many of my Christmas presents as a kid. I do remember the fact that my dad and mom were at every single game I was at, that they supported anything I wanted to do and made sure that I got the hard lessons when I needed them. But, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing for me personally. I'm not speaking for other parents, but 
one thing, Jarek, I, I read this online and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And it said an overprotective parent produces a weak child. And, you know, that, then it had took another turn, which is like, OK, how do I make sure that I don't give them everything I want to give them, you know, things that I didn't have when I was a kid? Because, you know, I know that, you know, not having things growing up fairly poor gave me a drive to want to create something and, and make money. Absolutely. It's an interesting space. And as, as parents, I'm not a parent yet, but I, w I was working with a gentleman earlier today. Um, you know, he's part of a team that runs a hundred million dollar plus company. And he was telling me that him and his wife sat down just the other night and were, you know, one thing she asked of him is like, hey, I want you to be at all of our son's football games this season. And he was scratching his head telling me, I don't know what magic you have in your sack of, of coaching ideas, but do you have any ideas of how I can be in two places at once? <laughs> and there was a deep, you know, honest, true fear of if I'm going to all these games, what if I'm missing out on the opportunities that could be the game changing opportunities for our business? That's a reasonable way to look at it. I, I read a great saying by Lao Tzu that said that people, when we say we don't have time, what we're really saying is it's not as important as something else. Mm. And it took me a while to get there. And, you know, frankly, I, I make less money. I'll make less money this year than I have over the, the last 10 years. But honestly, Jarek, I could not be happier. You know, as soon as I'm done with this podcast interview, I'm picking up my kids. My son's going to basketball camp. I'm going to go hang out with my daughter and have ice cream and go to the park, shut the phone off. And, you know, some people would say, well, Gene, then if you're not making more then you're you're not progressing. And I, I you know, in inside, I know where I'm making the real progress, which is what matters. And that's with my kids. I love that. I think there's also something to think about, you know, when you're 90 years old and you're sitting in your rocking chair thinking back at life. Like you said, you don't remember the Christmas presents. You remember the fact that they were there. And when, you know, you look back when you're at that stage of life, uh, you'll be able to look back and be proud of yourself to say, hey, I was there for my kids when it mattered in all those little moments. And it, it, it stacks up. I think it's something that it, it's the difference between progress or, or I'm sorry, happiness or fulfillment, you know, yeah. Fulfill, it, th those or pleasure and fulfillment. I'm sorry. It's pleasurable to earn things and make things and get big wins and have victories but it's fulfilling to be there for the ones you love. And when you look back in your life, the fulfilling aspects are going to be the times you really showed up for the people who matter to you most. And I'll add that, you know, the same energy is poured into my relationship with my girl. Hmm. And it's, you know, now I, I don't look at it as, okay, yeah, I got to do that, but I'm going to have a, you know, I'm going to watch a show for an hour. Then I'm going to go back to the office or and start jamming on email or start writing that blog or uh, you know, finishing a, a chapter of a book. It's like it's quality time invested in the right places is what I'm beginning to experience substantial happiness. The, the money and the things, I kept thinking, okay, if I get a little bit more, then I'll be happy. If I hit that number that achieved last year or overachieved last year or buy that certain thing, I kept thinking it's like I was searching for something that wasn't there. Hmm. And with this epiphany and this change, it's like, now I understand or I'm beginning to understand and on a path of saying, okay, how do we do both? But knowing what's really important. And that's my relationships. Mm, that's powerful. I love that. So I'd love people to get to know a little bit more about you. So we're going to start off with the question of what do you feel your wow factor is? What makes you uniquely you? And what are a couple life moments that help shape it? 
Well, I, I mean, outs, let's just outside of a business context, I think it's my authenticity. I mean, if you see me on a stage, you see me in person, you see me out to dinner, I'm the exact same person. There's not a persona that shows up in any other area besides me being me. And I think that's just from my Iowa roots of, you know, up early, work hard, be trustworthy, say what you're going to do and do what you're going to say. But there, there's there's no like secret sauce other than somebody that has not only lived with, uh, you know, my father and my I'm the youngest of six kids, five girls and then me um, and learning from those experiences from a business standpoint, the, the wow factor would just be flat out. One is I'm a student of the game. And as you know, Jarek, I'm an avid reader, listener. I attend the conferences and attend the events. I, I, I know the harder I work on myself, the, the better I can serve others. And a track record of everywhere I've gone, all the way back since the 1990s with Gateway Computer, every organization I've worked in has broken records, whether it's year over year or best in the history of the company. And after 28 years of doing that, it's you begin to see what the patterns are that are required to take an organization that's average or struggling and turn them into top performers. That's awesome. Very cool. And 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 if there's any key moments along the way that helped shape that, I know growing up in Iowa is one, having a big family was one there. Um, but in the business sense, any key memories or moments that really helped really shape that in you over the over the decades? Well, I, you know, if I... If, <laughs> As, as I pardon the background here, um, as I you know think through key, mo I'll just I'll just talk about a recent key moment, and there's a number of them, but a recent one was just a random text I got, and as you know, Jarek, I just published a book a couple months ago, The Sales Edge, and I got a in the end of it when you're doing the summary and you're just kind of pouring your thoughts out. Now, if you've written a book, you know that like doing the conclusion can be difficult because you're you're trying to unpackage everything you just went through and I was under deadline. So I just, I had an hour to, to sit down and write the conclusion. And the last thing I wrote is like, look, I'm just a kid from a small town in Iowa. And if I can figure this stuff out and make some pretty good things happen, then you can too. And I didn't think that much about it because, you know, when you're under a deadline from a publisher, it's like, you got to get it done and get it submitted. And about three weeks ago, I get a text out of the blue and I don't even, I still don't know who the person was, but somehow they got my number and it said, I just read the last piece of your book. I'm a girl from Iowa, and I know that I can do this too. Thanks for you know, being the person that inspired me to get out of the rut that I'm in. And I know that seems trite and little, but I was floating on air, Jarek, for three days. You know, when you know you have an impact on somebody that you don't even know, and because of something you said, something you wrote, something you did, then, then you know you're making a difference in the world. But there's been a number of times where in, in the career where it's like nothing better than, you know, exercising the power of intent, out of, whether it's working with a team that is that is in shambles, working with a team that's doing good, but you help them do even better or working with a record breaking team and helping them break another record. It's all the same, which says, you know, can you lay out exactly what you want to do, put in a plan, work the plan, deal with the ups and downs of the plan and make it happen? And, you know, that's having those experiences over and over again and really having the realization that the formulas that Napoleon Hill taught that your dad, Tony Robbins, teaches Jim Rohn, the things that these guys talk about in terms of philosophy and strategy are spot on. The hard part is actually performing them. 
know, we can read about it all we want, but until you get into action, until you set a clear outcome of what it is you want to create, make it time bound, put the right people around you, eliminate the people that are shouldn't be around you. And I think we all know what we're talking about there. Until you do that, it's going to be very difficult to create anything. Mm. But I, I really am a product of mentors. And many of the mentors I never knew. I never knew Jim Rohn. I never knew Napoleon Hill. I knew his writings and I studied those things. Same thing with your father. You know, I didn't know Tony, but I had listened to Personal Power, Personal Power 2, read both books well before I ever got the opportunity to meet the guy. You know, you feel like you know somebody when you listen to their words, you follow what it is they recommend and suddenly you begin to create things. That's been the most exciting thing. I love that. And it's true. I think one of my favorite things about books and programs is you can sit down with someone who's been deceased for many, many years, but still, like you said, get to know them and get to know who they were and, and what their thoughts were and, and learn from them, which is an amazing, amazing gift. I think more people or not as many people take advantage of that as, as they should. It's, it's really an amazing gift. And especially when you travel around the world, I, I think in, you know, us, Australia, Canada, UK, Europe, we so often we see books and we kind of take them for granted. I remember I was living in a village in Africa and I had a book and I was taking notes in it and kind of like highlighting pages. And every time I'd highlight the kid next to me would go, (gasps) (laughs) because in that village there was only one copy of a book. So it had to be used for everybody. And so you weren't allowed to write or highlight in a book because now you're killing it for other people. (laughs) Oh, I thought it was because of the breakthrough content, but it was just the fact that you were writing in it. And I think you follow some of the same things that that I like too, which is read a book, highlight the most important stuff. Mm -hmm. So when you go back to reread the book, you just read the highlights and now you can read in 30 minutes what took you four hours before. That's right. And so he was just in shock because they're used to only having one copy of one book in the whole village. And, and so, but, but like you said, that's a great tap tactic and tip of it helps you gather the information. I, I think it's amazing. I've, I've learned the value of books more and more as I, as I get a little older and realize how powerful they really are. So, well, and, and Jarek, I, I want to add one more thing, which is the, the power of podcasts. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this, I think this is a podcast, yep. but like last night, I, I have a quick workout. I get 15 minutes in the sauna. That's my time to sit there, put on a podcast, and self-invest. And I got to say, I listened to your interview with Chris Voss, Never Split the Difference, the guy that authored that book. And 15 minutes was such a – I couldn't even – I felt like I walked in and walked out, but I was there for 15 minutes because so, I was so into the message. And I listened to his part about the power of no, and it was so good. But if people aren't listening, you know, during their, you know, their hours where they're walking or they're getting ready in the morning, they're having coffee, they're, they're on the treadmill, they're in the sauna, then you're missing out. It's the easiest way to feed your brain. That's right. It's an amazing, amazing system and tool. And it reaches so many people around the world, which blows my mind. So here's a question on this journey and everything you've done and accomplished and experienced and been a part of, what's a moment that made you feel incredibly humble? Um, uh, one incredible humbling moment was, you know, I keep going back to what's most recent and that was in launching the book was I launched it on what would have been my father's 91st birthday. Mm. And I wanted to do the launch in my hometown of Sioux city, Iowa. And it was not a moment where there was a lot of people around or anything like that. It was just me and my sister and my girlfriend and my two kids. 
we went out to my dad's gravestone and I put a book in like a cellophane wrapper, like a sandwich wrapper, a bigger one, one of those bags and put it on his grave, told him, you know, I loved him, that it was dedicated to him. I told him I'd finish and I did. And we did it on his birthday. And there was no fanfare. There was no financial remuneration for this. It was, it was the, the result of a lot of hard work that had culminated into a moment. The humbling part was that I had been seeing this moment since last November for eight months prior. Like I, I knew something came to me that said, okay, you're going to launch it. You're going to launch it on his birthday. You're going to do it there. You're going to put the first book that you get on his grave. And I would say that's probably the most humble moment I've had recently when, and again, it reiterated this, what we talked about earlier is like, you know, what is success? And, you know, it's the fact that, you know, it's, it's love, it's relationships, it's being able to do right and make people that, you know, be, help people to be proud of who you become as a result of their teachings. So that would be what it is for me. Mm, that's powerful. I think it's a powerful experience too. What a, what a gift to be able to, even though he's, he's passed on to still be able to give him a copy of your book. I, I yeah. can see it in my mind. It's a be- looks like a beautiful moment. It, it was. And the weather was perfect. And just, you know, we had balloons. We let them go up into the sky for dad. And it was just, you know, it was a moment that I'll remember forever. Mm. Here's one. What about an awe-inspiring moment? <laughs> I, well, I'll tell you one that's near and dear to your heart. The first time that I had a chance to go to Fiji and mm. be on your father's island. And I remember walking on that island going, okay, let me just think about this for a moment. This guy doesn't just have a property on an island. He doesn't just own a property on an island. Like, he owns the whole island. And when we did the walk that when you go into the, uh, the waterfall, mm-hmm. to me, that was a, a life memory, just seeing that and the beauty. And, you know, after listening to Power Talk um, and Personal Power, Personal Power 2, how many times he talked about and referenced Fiji. Now, that he produced these in the 90s. So, you know, I'm there, what, 25 years later. And it's not only what he said it was, it was 10 times better. And that, that to me was like, you know, knowing his humble beginnings, knowing, you know, getting able to see, you know, what he really does, not just on stage, but who he is as a human being. And I, I'm not, I didn't mean to like bring that up just because he's your dad, but that is the, I would tell this to anybody, this story was, it was so inspiring to realize that, you know, somebody with incredible will can make anything happen. That was awesome. Awesome. That, awesome. That's awesome. That is one of my favorite places to go on a waterfall hike. My, my wife is a huge fan too. We got married there. So we love the Molly just as much. Let's see. What about, what about your greatest fear? Oh boy. Um, my greatest fear, oh, you know, some of the obvious ones, which, you know, we've heard about if you, if you've studied, which is I'm going to die alone and I'll never be enough. So let's, let's, let's push those out of the way. Um, one of my greatest fears is that that I think about every day is that I, I didn't do enough with my kids mm. and that drives me. I, I don't let that fear corner me. I let that motivate me to say, okay, I have got to orchestrate travel and schedules so that I keep priorities in order. 
of course, there are going to be times when I miss a weekend for the big event, wherever it is, right? That's going to happen in our lives. But making sure that all of the the winds of opportunity don't overtake me. And 10 years ago, I, I, you know, I, w I was in the winds of opportunity and taking on everything and traveling and going from one city to the next, thinking that I was pursuing the, the dream of success. And what happens is we evolve over time. You know, I was a different person at 30 than 40 and now 50. I have different priorities and and projects that I'm working on. Most notably, you know, I joined a group with a bunch of other dads that's kind of like Boy Scouts. It's called Adventure Guides. One, one weekend every month we go camping. Now, Jarek, I, I know you know me a little bit, but I'm not a great outdoorsman. I've never pitched a tent in my life, even though I'm from Iowa. But learning those skill sets have been huge. But the fear is, is, you know, my kids turn 18 or 19, they go off to college, they begin their life. And I look back when I'm 70 or 80 going, did I, did I do enough? Was I, was I a good enough dad? Was I there for them? So my fear is regret mm -hmm. because as you know, it's one of the worst feelings because you can't do anything about regret. I don't want that to happen. So I make sure I remind myself of, okay, what are you going to be most proud of when you're 80 and you know, sitting on the rocking chair or laying in the bed, it's going to be the, you know, the quality time with the people I love. So true. So true. Speaking of the future, what are you most excited about for your future? Well, I'm excited that a new fall football league has started for the eight-year-olds that I coach. <laughs> I'm excited for what my kids are doing. I'm excited for, you know, how the, the wheel of life works is, you know, business starts working great, relations start, start working great, and then it's like, okay, I got to focus on my body. And then you get your body in shape, and then it's, okay, something else is struggling. So I'm excited for, you know, being able to anticipate the changes that will take place. I'm excited to build the business that I'm in so that it can work without me. Not that I won't be involved. Somebody asked me what my retirement plan was, and I'm like, uh, probably I'll die. I, and I said that as a joke because, you know, I, I, I'm doing exactly what I love and I don't anticipate making any changes to that when I'm 80, 90, 100 years old. And I do already have a written goal to be 100 and some certain things I want to have happen on my 100th birthday. I've already visualized it, thought about it, and it's causing me to make decisions today that can say, OK, is this going to help me live to be 100 years old? So I'm excited about what the future, how it unfolds. I'm excited about some of the plans we have with our company. And as we move into 2019, we've got a planning session in Florida on Sunday. And, you know, being able to say, okay, we want the business to be at these levels over the next five years. I'm totally juiced about that because there's a certain power in working with people that you care about and saying, okay, where do we want this to be? Knowing that, you know, in, in, wherever you are, you know, especially in America, you can do it. You know, it's, if, if we said, now obviously I'm not going to be a pro basketball player. I can't do that at 50, but, you know, I can certainly build a business to a certain level. I can certainly, I'm in control of the habits that require me to have a, a body that I'm proud of. I'm in control of the habits that are needed to create the income that I desire I'm in, I'm in control of managing my time so that I can go leave and pick up my kids from school and be there and go to practice and do all that stuff. That's what I'm, ex I'm excited about, Jarek, the fact that 
you know, I, I, this epiphany has said, okay, what's most important. And as I said earlier, I, I make less income on a year over year basis this year, but I'm 10 times happier to me. That's an awesome return. I love it. Sounds like an exciting future. I like the fact that you've already have written goals for when you're a hundred years old. That's strong. Um, I always like to ask people at conferences, you know, what do you, what do you, how do you think you're going to be performing physically, mentally, emotionally when you're 84 years old? I say, close your eyes and imagine yourself. And I say, open your eyes. How many of you imagine yourself going, oh, my back? And most of the room raises their hand and starts laughing. <laughs> I'm like, hey, whatever you're focused on of where you're going. And I said, how about 100? And, and uh, you know, close your eyes. See yourself at 100 and open your eyes. I said, how many of you didn't even make it? And about, you know, 25% of the room raises their hand and like, yeah, I don't think I'd make it that far. <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing. People don't even think it's possible. So then I show them, you know, peak performance athletes who are a hundred years old, who there's a guy named Robert Marchand over in France who does the hundred or what is it? 1500 kilometer bike race or something at 101 or 102 years old. And he's killing world records. Um, now there's not a lot of people in his age range <laughs> competing, but he's still crushing the records. And so I always laugh. I'm like, hey, you got you to focus on where you want to go. So I love the fact that you have that locked in already. Um, well, you really listen to the science. It's like with all the advancements coming out, the prediction says, and I heard this, and I can't remember who cited it, but it's like if you can live to be 60 in today's standards, the odds of you going to 100 have like quintupled you know, with, with the scientific breakthroughs. I mean, I hope in my lifetime there's a cure for diabetes. There's a cure for cancer. You know, you never know. I mean, 120 may be the marker that gets set 10 years from now. Who knows? But, you know, I'm definitely going for it. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. So so we're going to switch gears to what we call the nuts and bolts section. This is the tactical, tangible, practical stuff that people can take immediately from what you're saying, apply it directly into their life or business. And so for the first question we have here is what do you currently focus the majority of your thoughts and time and life on each day? Well, first of all, it's you mentioned earlier about written goals. And, you know, what I like to do is I start a journal. I like to do it at the beginning of every year. And sometimes I start a new one mid-year. But the very first four pages of that journal is if my life were ideal in 12 months, what would it look like? Mm -hmm. If my life were ideal in three years, what would it look like? So I begin with the end in mind, good old Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. And I get excited about that because there's something, there's a feeling you get. And I know you've experienced this, Jarek, when you really sit down and say, if everything were perfect, what would it look like? And then reverse engineering that and then migrating that to what's your weekly and monthly. And, you know, I look at a, I have a 12 month running wall calendar so I can see, okay, what are we doing? When is camping? When are sports? When are the, the business trips? When are the speaking events? When are the vacations? But I think in priority order, my relationships, my my relationships and my physical health. Of course, we can't do good for others if we're not good ourselves. Then it goes to business. Then it goes to writing more books. The next book that I'm already working on after the first one got done. And then it starts looking. I start looking at what else can I do to serve the people that need help? And as you know, Jarek, my I guess my. Uh, my strength is in sales, selling, sales process, and most notably, how to help mid-sized companies win the monster deals, how to help them go win, win the, the ideal buyers or the whales in their marketplace. So that's what excites me. And if I, if I stay in those three wheelhouses 
and, you know, can continue to, you know, focus on, on, um, you know, my spiritual goals and so forth, then I, that's where I have found happiness to be. So that's really where just every one of my days goes that same way. It's, it's working out, it's quality time, it's attending to the business that needs to be attended to. It's am, checking my progress. Am I making progress towards what it is I'm trying to do? And then what do I need to do today outside of the scheduled activities to move me, move the ball forward? I love it. Here's a question. What's a key to your success in all of this? Clarity of outcome. If I had to pick one, it's like knowing the road ahead and knowing where it is you want to go. And you know, I learned a really valuable lesson and there might be a lot of people listening that kind of have that book in their head or they've started and they've stopped. And, you know, the truth is I started writing the the book eight years ago and I'd start and I'd stop. And then, you know, I'd get back into it. Then life circumstance would happen and I'd have to come back to it. And I just kind of hemmed and hawed. I, I didn't, ha and if you look at, you know, I perform the opposite of what I've learned and what I teach, which is know exactly what you want and when, uh, reverse engineer it down to digestible chunks, take action on the chunks, have little, um, you know, areas where you can check your progress. And, and I didn't do that until, you know, last fall when I said, you know what, this, sometimes these big projects, they weigh on you. I don't know if you've ever had this happen, Jerick, where it's like, yeah, I, I sh you know, I couldn't even go to a movie and I'd be sitting in the movie, I'd get into it. And, and this little voice in my head would be, you should be working on the book. You shouldn't be relaxing. You should be working on the book. It was always with me. And I really had this wake up call and said, you know, why don't you do the same things you teach? And I did that. So it was just a, it was a reminder from the universe to say, look, follow the protocol. And, you know, there isn't there's very few things you can't accomplish when you you follow the proven process, clarity of option uh, of your outcomes, have your reasons why, take action, check your progress, find mentors and models to speed the process up. It doesn't change. So that that to me is inspiring, being able to do something that's big for you, whatever that may be running a mile, running a marathon, uh, writing a, a, an article on LinkedIn or writing a book. It, it doesn't matter. It, the, the process doesn't change. That to me is exciting. That to me is fulfilling. And it's powerful as well. Having that clarity of outcome, knowing exactly what you want and being willing to do the work to get there changes people's lives. Always, especially your own. And it's hard to change somebody else's life if you haven't you know, ate your own cooking. That's right. I have a joke with a friend of mine. He introduces me all the time and somehow uh, he eats his own cooking got interpreted as he eats his own cookies. And so every time he introduces me, he's like, and this guy, he eats his own cookies. And, and it's just a running joke and it's so silly, but it's funny. So everyone, most, most people eat their own cooking. I tend to eat my own cookies for some reason. I love it. Uh, but, but it's true. You got to eat your own cookies if you have a chance at helping other people do it. Um, so our final question is what's one actionable tip that can help others achieve and experience the kind of success you've built in your life? 
Well, it comes down to a saying that I have had, even in my days when I was with Gateway Computers back in the 90s and every company I've worked in and now that I have my own business that I have in my office and sometimes I have to change it out, but it's in the same old dusty, well, sometimes dusty frame. But it's a simple saying that says you get rewarded in public for the things you practice the most in private. I think you know the guy who said that. And it's so true. And, you know, practicing in private, the things you do when nobody's around really is what can make the difference of when you show up as a parent, when you show up in your relationship, when you show up on the playing field of whatever your profession is. And I highly advise that you're listening to podcasts like this, that it's not just kind of a nice to do, but you have opportunities every time you drive, you have opportunities every time you're doing something that doesn't require intense thought to invest in yourself. And if you look at the migration of how we're learning is a lot of it's now is listening. We don't have to watch a video at our computer or on our phone to get the full value out of it. In many cases, you know, 96% of the time when I'm driving, there's a podcast in, whether it's a Gary Vaynerchuk, Jarek, I'm listening to your podcast. I love The One Thing by uh, Gary Keller from Keller Williams and Jay Papasan, but constantly feeding your mind. And what happens is it begins to show up and that's in your daily actions. You know, one other thing that my girl and I started doing was a, um, it's a devotion and you can buy books that give you it's 365 days of devotion. You read one page out loud and then you discuss it before you go to bed. And we're doing one around the five love languages and it's just been awesome. And sometimes it takes us five minutes and sometimes we find ourselves an hour and a half later, you know, talking about the subject. But to me, that is significant. That's investment in her. It's investment into the relationship. So that's, you know, work as hard on yourself as you do on the job and you will find yourself advancing that much faster. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you, sir, for joining us. For those of you listening, if you want to know more about Gene's new book titled The Sales Edge, is that correct? It's The Sales Edge. That's correct. Ah, nailed it. If you want to know more about Gene's book, please go to the show notes on this, this episode. There, all the links will be there to his book, to his website, and everything else that he's up to. Uh, Gene, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jarek. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And for everyone who listening, if you enjoyed this episode, if you believe the world needs more, better parenting and, and people really, truly adhering to what matters most in their life, then please, we believe that sharing is caring. We like caring people around here. So make sure to share this episode with someone you know and love and uh, make sure to subscribe and tell other friends about the podcast as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for joining us and uh, look forward to seeing you all next episode. 